Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of the Create More podcast. This week, we have David Illingworth, who is the co-founder of a cool new structural engineering company in South London. Um, this is one of the this, well, this was the last uh, podcast that I got to record just before Christmas uh, in my uh, my pre-lockdown can go to their office uh, world, which was fun. So uh, yeah, this is the last one I've recorded. The next ones are all going to have to be over Zoom, unfortunately, until lockdown lifts. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. They're, I've known David for probably almost a decade now. We've worked together on a few other projects. He uh, not only ever worked with him, he's a friend. He also knows Justin Nichols, who's uh, who was on uh, the last episode, has an office in a very similar area. So I popped over to his office, interviewed him. Uh, check it out. We talk about loads of different things, what it's like to start a company, obviously. Um, also, all the kind of intricacies uh, of uh, the, the business side, what it's like to be creative as a structural engineer. It's really, really interesting. Um, it was really fun. So I hope you enjoy it. And also, just as a quick note, you should uh, check out the createmorepodcasts.com website uh, because we write articles, there's photos on each podcast. So go and check it out as well. That'd be great. Uh, listen into the end to find out who's on the next week's podcast, which I'm really excited about. Enjoy. Now we're recording. Okay. Now it's good. official. Oh, well, I'm completely comfortable with that. Okay, good, good. Open your beer. Thank you, first of all. I am joined on this week's episode by David Illingworth, the co-founder of London Structures Lab. Bit of backstory for you. We've known each other for, I'm going to guess, 10 years? Gosh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> we met each other when we were working on Five Broad Game. Yeah. Many, 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 many years ago. Yeah, so that would have been... I want to say 2011. It may have started in ten, you know. Yeah. So we've known each other for a long time, and then and then you you've gone off and worked at some uh, amazing companies, and now you've started London Structures Lab. Yeah. How? Tell me, tell us a bit about London Structures Lab. How long have you been around for? How how big you are? How many people? So I joined slightly later than the other two, and they were a bit uh, keener to just get out. I went off and had a bit of a holiday as well. Good for you. But, uh, um, no, they did. I, I didn't. I kept working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I started uh, November uh, 19. 2019. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we had a fantastic first few months. Yeah. And good. then just, uh, yeah, so we're going about a year now. So anything uh, anything interesting happened in 2020 that, no, a pandemic, of course, that, of course. Yeah. That's not actually been that bad for us in terms of work because we're small so it's not that big a deal i think big organizations that we're working with we've seen them really struggle I yeah really i bet find it it's painful when you just not being able to do the soft side of running an organization um whereas you know we're just we know each other really well even the people that we've hired that we've never met before well, we've spoken a bit uh, previously about the kind of the benefits of being an agile small company is that mm. you can 
you can move quickly and every job's super important for you and you know you're, you're always talking to the same people in the company whereas at a big company you get passed around and especially once it goes remote i can imagine it's quite difficult yeah i mean i, I suppose i'm i sort of see companies um as quite simplistic it's 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 um you've got a group of people and they are the brand the everything and it's about um making sure they're working at 100 percent of their um abilities and um and being comfortable and being supported and all those sort of things so they feel they can really perform at that level if they're if they feel like that then everything else just follows through so um uh yeah so 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 that side of it that becomes the product of of what you're selling and ultimately we're well we're selling ideas but we're 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 trying to keep that group of people um as closely interconnected you know group iq and all that sort of theory um as close as possible um so that um so we can be agile but it it, it starts at that just that the the interaction the communication level really and um so i pr- i didn't actually say that you're a structural engineer i am a structural <laughs> we didn't engineer. we just i i just assumed london structures lab but when you what you you do big mega structures big buildings bridges what type of stuff do you do? Uh, uh, i have done yeah i uh i uh, my background's really nicely varied i've done uh i was on site in the middle east before we met doing a, a tower with caesar pelly well, i think it's about three meters tall than the shard but bigger than the shard nice got um, that in there yeah, and then I did uh, went and was seconded down to Foster's. We're, we're, the whole team was effectively moved down to Foster's, and we did uh, four railway stations in the in Saudi mega mega project sort of thing. And then I thought, well, that's that's not sure. And then and then we did UBS, yep. which not not exactly small building. Uh, and then I was like, well, you know, I I, I I really enjoyed the small the craft of the smaller jobs, how it goes together, and how how you, and how you change things. I believe you. You are on a very, very different end of the spectrum to me. <laughs> I would not enjoy that. <laughs> I just like, you know, the, the, or, or, or I did a job at Norwich Cathedral where we laminated oak with stainless steel and like worked out and glued it together, didn't use screws and you know, it's the, those sort of bits. And I, I, I like that end of it and being involved in that. Actually, this, this one detail changes how we're going to do the whole of the, the building. And that's... Um, <clears throat> do you know what? That's one of the things I've always really liked. When we, I know we've, we worked together for 18 months or something but i always liked that you understood the architectural benefits of a beautiful structure as well it wasn't just like a calculation to you you constantly kind of said well if you're trying what are you trying to do and then let's see if we can make the structure help what you're trying to do and vice versa it was uh i enjoyed that process well yeah well that's fundamental i mean i i i, I, I know think... you say it's fundamental but not all structure engineers think like that well i'd say that the other way as well i'm not sure architects there is a danger that architects um, take ownership of design in its full and i would i would argue that design is the bit that happens between everybody on the t- in, on the table but it, ultimately that there's architecture there's a, a professional rigor to do huge and very complex parts of the but there's also the mep engineer structural engineer the qs all these people the bit in the middle is where the design happens mm. i think especially as projects increase in scale i think that overlap becomes much more apparent i mean i i think the you know when we're when we're mentioning ubs what we mean is five broadgate which was 
one of the biggest offices at the time that yeah. got built and and we went through years of refining all that structural all that stuff with you it's actually an incredible process and then to be on site and to watch it get built mm. was really cool but i i thought uh buildings like that are kind of all about the structure and the services and the facade is like a bit on the outside that everyone sees but isn't this night is like not it's like 10 percent of the project which is like actually inside yeah, I mean, so, so I suppose what you were trying to say before about um, what the structural engineer needs to do and what all people around the table need to do is... is it, so when you would ask me a question, can I do this? I could just say yes or no. And that seems to be a very common solution uh, sort or of approach, as you say. But actually, what I need to know is why are you asking the question? Because I, I know that... I'd, I'd hope that you don't know as much about structural engineering as I do because I wouldn't be in a job So because you could just do it yourself. So, so I need to then go, well, if that person, if Ben knew everything I know about this building, would he ask a different question? And so I always teach people or the people that work with me or for me, I, I, I always say, yes, always answer the question and answer it as well as you can, but also then think about what the question could have been or should have been and answer that as well. So you offer, yes, it's this big, the beam's this big, but actually if we do these three things, then we can create this. And and I think that's part of this process of um, empathising with each other. And if you don't have empathy, it's it's, it's effectively, I've taught at the AA for uh, 11 years. And that's the sort of fundamental that we go. I go through every year and I say, you must empathise with everybody around. I don't want to teach you to be a structural engineer, but you need to be able to ask the right questions. You must empathise with everybody's needs and, and you are the leader of the design. So if there's going to be any innovation in the industry, in the project, it's going to be on you. Are you, are you still tutoring at the AA now? Yeah, so I, te- I tutor fifth year. In the which is sort of in the technical studies, but I also um, I also teach a course. Uh, so the yeah, A sorry the AA is the Ar- Architecture, Architecture Association. Yeah. It's a very prestigious architectural school, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, suppose I didn't. Remember, I I knew, I knew nothing about architecture when I started my first job. I still don't. <laughs> so, you know, I literally didn't know what they do. I've had no training in design in any way at all. I've been trained Sheffield with maths, applied maths bit more applied maths that was it you know there's no yeah and i think that in a lot of ways was right because they weren't you know they're training a lot of people they're not training people to be a specific anything so they they gave you a good background but then if you look at everybody that's come out of it they've all gone off and done different things actually design would have been a bit pointless well i like that i remember in, in lots of meetings you you would just quite like outrightly ask you know what is what is that? What are we what are we doing there? You know, from an architectural point of view, and everyone would be like, um, oh, uh, I just I always thought like you, you. I think we've spoken about this before, but you you know you, you're quite happy to ask questions and you know stick to your opinions. I like forcing myself to uh, think naively, and I think that's important. To and it's that's tip from teaching. It, you, you realize that actually naivety is incredibly creative, and you don't you. you Everybody, everybody sits around a table. I love it. You sit around a table, beginning of a project, and everybody is like, "I know what I'm doing." Yeah, I know what I'm doing. And and I, I'd sit with my engineers, and I'd be like, and the, and, and they'd be they'd be like younger people going, oh, but "I just don't know." You know, they're having a bit of a wobble about whether they've done the right thing in their career. And you're like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody around this table knows what they're doing." 
idea, you know, we, I say we're in a strong position, mainly, I think every project, we've always been in a pretty strong position because we've been the closest group to knowing what we're doing, but we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> because, you know, and, 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 but, but no one would acknowledge it. And no one would, you know, it certainly wouldn't go into an interview with a client and go, yeah, I don't know the answer yet. You have to tell people who know the answer. But how many people have finished a job and said, I learned nothing on that project? Nothing at all. I knew it all already. <laughs> you're like, well, you're an idiot. You, you didn't, you, then you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't create anything worthwhile. Like you just cut and paste the last job. Why would I even pay you? I, so do, so you, do you always look to learn something new on a project? Or are you saying that every project has a million different problems and everyone learns tons of new stuff on every project? I'd say that, the, well, the reason we set up the business was because we think that in every project it should be a fundamental, is that you don't, you don't change for the sake of change, but in every job you can, and that's something that I've always done naturally, Ed has, John has, has gone, that is the bit that will unlock this project. So, you know, um, if it's a particular detail over for a complex sewer, you know, it's London. Most of our jobs are London. There's always something horrendous in the ground. It's so true, isn't it? You know, we had a, a, a big, um, you probably didn't even um, notice it, but in the top left-hand corner of UBS, there's a big, uh, the big Thames water running down that corner. And so the whole corner is cantilevering nine metres and... I did the gymnastics of stressing the building against a, a truss. And that was just like, well, actually, that, that solves that. And then there was the bit that we can't talk about, yeah. which is, was, you know, I happened to go, no one, no one knew the answer. When, but, you know, there happened to be a guy that modelled <coughs> aeroplane wings for Airbus and another guy that had a PhD in um, a special failure mechanism in connections and I get them around a table and talking, I'm going, these guys are amazing. And, you know, and they solved the problem, the unsolvable problem. Um, and it took six months. So they got in loads of trouble because they were told to do it in four weeks, but they solved an unsolvable problem. Um, I think that's one of the things I'm quite envious of about structural engineering is that there is an answer. Otherwise you wouldn't build it. Whereas architecture, there's, it's so subjective a lot of the time, you know, what, what's beautiful to yeah. one person isn't necessarily beautiful. To so there's no right or wrong answer. And even if it is amazing and someone just doesn't like you, they can just say that's rubbish. <laughs> you're like, whereas structurally you're like, look at the cantilever on that. It's working because it's not falling down. I did it. You know, like there's a satisfaction that you've like found the calculation. Yeah. I, I think, I think so in, in structures, there's a, um, there's a professional exam at the end or after you, so you've done your degree, you then do four years training, you do an interview um, and then they say, yeah, you're ready, you can do the exam. And the exam's a full day, and you have to design a building, that's all that. And the, the failure rate is ridiculous, like massive, massive. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's something like it's only 38% pass it. Wow. First time people to pass it is like 8% or something crazy. Um, and and it's, it's, it's because I think we're taught to see a problem and we grab it all, and we, and we go, right, that's the answer. So engineers, black and white. All the exam asks you to do, and one, one thing that they oft, most often fail on, apart from the sheer amount of work you need to do in the time, but um, is, is you're asked to provide two options. And, of course, so an engineer goes, well, there's, there's the option. And they go, what's the second option? You, I, I don't know. So actually, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, that's, how, that's how bad we are at it. We can't even do two. We have to train ourselves to do two. So I really just love throwing 
a thousand ideas in and just going, you know, and, and having a, a really open forum for everybody around the table. Uh, it would be different when I'm in a group, but you know, when it's just, just it would be different types of um, ideas, but when it's just structural engineers, people going, why not that? Why not that? And of course, if, if they feel completely relaxed and they're able to be naive, completely naive, they'll say something that's stupid, say, and you go, okay, but there's a bit in that. I quite like that because you've said that because of this. And I was thinking that. And together you come up with the right answer. It's funny, isn't it? That we're all, <coughs> we're all kind of, as, as a profession, we want to push ourselves and find something new. Some, oh, that's, okay, this is going to be the tallest, the longest cantilever or whatever. There's always something exciting. There's always something that we feel confident being 10% over what no one else has done. You don't, you don't want to be like totally in no man's land, but you're always looking for that project that gives you that little bit more yeah. you know how to do. And I, and I think, you know, if people are, aren't necessarily architects, structural engineers listening to this, so like the relationship, I, I think having a good relationship with structural engineer makes a huge difference. And then the third one is like, if you have a really great relationship with a service engineer. But I do think, me personally, from an architectural point of view, all the buildings that I love, happen to have structure that is almost interweaved into the design you know like i i like the like like a cathedral is so beautiful 1990s <laughs> i know i really i'm with you i'm i'm there like just i turn I, back time i know <laughs> old rogers buildings fastest buildings are oh, they're just glorious and because what i really like is we should say that we're, we're recording this at your office um and uh you know who know, who knows what 2021 is going to throw there's nothing in this office that is not needed yeah <laughs> about it. yeah it's just bricks, <laughs> it's just bricks. Uh, but i've got the shard in the backgrounds so i've had to like cycle from from uh from south london and i was like oh you're within 100 meters of the shard didn't have to use my google maps can just go to it and there's something incredible about just the size and scale of things of that complication and i know that you've done you, you know you've worked on the the google project as well was that the one in king's cross yeah yeah i actually worked on the concept work for san francisco as well and that was interesting so like when those, those meetings were funny they those were projects you know you're just saying everything around the table that's the design you're like okay but as a metaphor how big is this table and how many ideas are we going to throw on it well, it's quite. a bubble okay so, so, so don't, don't misunderstand me i i don't i don't think that design and there's a danger that with computers and the way people are using computers and bim and things like that that we we've we're going to use scattergun design where we just show shove you know what do you want and in actual fact you know you, I, I i do see sometimes that the decision making is put too much on to the client and the client basically has to pick from a mm. picture a, a suite of pretty pictures i don't think that's right because although there are some absolutely amazing clients out there who who know their product and the whole process incredibly well they're employing an architect and a team of architects who are the only trained people in design around the table no one else is trained in design engineers aren't no one is it's just that person to say what should i do mm. so i think for, for me the best team ever uh, best project ever are when the lead architect is the person that makes the decisions. So smaller practices are generally more useful in yeah. that situation. Or at least they've been given the autonomy by the senior people. And that that person can go for lunch with the client and the client is a person, not an organisation, not, not yeah. a series of layers. And they can go because they enjoy it, not because they have to. That then the projects fly. I know, and then it's, the, then it's a fun project. I mean, God. But it's because those two have worked out what 
the overall aim of the project is and then i can i can then go okay i, I, I get this now okay I, I get what you're trying to do and once i completely understand that i can start adding value so yeah again leadership is is the key do you, do you have like, is, it, is there a scale of project that you prefer working on or it is kind of the way London Structures Lab is set up? It can work on a small building, massive building. It, you don't, you're not picking and choosing specific scales of projects. No, big projects can be boring. Yeah, agreed. Small projects can be boring. <laughs> so we, we have various ways in which we talk about why we would take on certain work. A lot of it comes down to people wanting to work with certain people. And, you know, we've been so lucky setting up. People have been incredibly generous to us, put us on lists for jobs that we shouldn't have been on and then winning them. Again, um, that's a trust thing though, isn't it? Because they trust you guys. You know, you've worked with them before and they're like, okay, I can trust these people, even though they're not a new yeah. entity. That person is still the same person. Yeah, I mean, so, <clears throat> I, I mean, we shouldn't have been on them because, yeah, you're right, we were like a couple of months out and people are putting us on jobs that, <laughs> you know, you, you'd normally expect if you're a client and the client's never met you before and has no idea who you are and is like, yeah, well, that company's going to be there in five years' time, isn't it? Because <laughs> they're sat around a table in a warehouse. They'll be fine, you know. I but, trust them. I've got a good feeling about them. <laughs> but, you know, the, the people that put us forward for it know that everything's on the line. They know that, you know, we're going to be structural engineers for the rest of our lives because that's what we love doing. Mm. Um, and so they know the company's going to work out and, and, and we, you know, in some form or another, we know it's going to work out. We hope it goes to the place that we want it to. So, yeah, so, so in a lot of ways, it's kind of a, if, if I was a client and I knew those things, it's kind of a no brainer because you get really senior people hands on. So sort of, you get, mm. you get, effectively, you get much better quality design really cheap at the moment. And yeah. we make sure we can do that as long as possible, right? In terms of. When you double size of company, you 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 start adding processes, and that's yeah. So that 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 is an issue that we need to be worried about as we get bigger. It's in, it's interesting what you're saying actually about the, the scale of projects, the scale of companies, and how, how much more complex and how much more money they need. Yeah, I think when we spoke about this before, you know, you were explaining it is such a luxury that they they get direct contact with the highly skilled senior management team. You know, the bigger practices, you just don't get that. You're right, but at the same time, like this is, let's be honest, the, the design, the architecture, the quality of architects in London is, is must be, there's no way there's anywhere better in the world. The, 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 it, to be a sort of mid-level architect in London, you have to be absolutely outstanding. So you know, the, the top, if, if some of them haven't even worked in London, they've got, you know, they're so, mm. they're, so, um, so th that's, that means that the, the the clients go well. Actually, these new start architecture practice, I, I'd like to try them. I think they'll really give me that. And they, and the architects, remember, add value. Engineers, they just they just reduce risk. So you, you don't hire an engineer going, oh, I, I'd like to really add value through the um, the depth of my beams or whatever. <laughs> they, they don't. They don't. No one thinks like that. No one really engages. It's that thing you teach a two year old. Like no one. You don't say it in these words, but <laughs> fundamentally, children don't really understand that people don't care about them that much. Well, their parents do, but no one else. They, they're, they're just a, a, a thing. Um, so, you know, engineers really get the hump that no one really cares about us, but, you know, they don't, they don't really. 
they, they care when it goes wrong. They don't really care about us. So, so, it, so we're just seen as reduced risk, but we don't have value. So why would you... So you're going to take your risk on the architect if you're going to take a risk. Why would you take a risk on your engineer? So people normally would say, oh, the, you know, there's a very large worldwide company in, in based originally in London. And you know, you'd say, well, you know, no one's ever been fired for hiring X. So if you're a project if you're a development manager or something, I'll just hire them. Just get rid of the problem. You know, they're costing you a fortune and I'm getting hardly any time out of anyone. Not saying it's that company, but you know, it's a company of that scale, as you've said. But it's not a risk to you. So people are looking at their upside and their downside and that sort of thing. I think what they're missing is that design doesn't fit with one person. It sits in the middle. And so, yeah, I believe that if I work with a high-quality architect, I will make them, I will support them to be even better. And because we, we'd like to take on the complexity of the problem, we also want to talk about, well, what's the client trying to do? And understand all those things and bring it together. I, engineering has a fundamental role in yeah. how what? fast, how sustainably, and how what the quality of everything you build. It's interesting. Uh, this is my, my feeling as well, that in London... The bigger practices, you know, a lot of the work is very commercially driven. It's very office driven. And you end up, there's only so many different ways that you can do a steel and concrete structure. So you limit the amount of in, like inventiveness you need from a structure engineers. However, you get a project like Google, which is timber based. And suddenly in it's part. in part, but suddenly people are like, oh, this is like a slightly new technology that, and a structural technology that maybe people aren't as familiar with or we're trying to push it much more than it's been pushed before. So suddenly you start to... Uh, yeah, unfortunately in structural engineering, there's been a lot of talk about timber um, and people not completely understanding it. And so effectively people have been applying the residential approach to office design in timber. And I think there's going to be a huge number of timber offices that are going to have problems. You reckon? Yeah. In London? They've not analysed the problem. Well, there you go. See, that's why you do need a good structural engineer, don't you? So, so for on, on uh, Google Queen's Cross, they, they wanted to do a specific way of building it. It had to be dry, um, which I, I think all the design drivers were incredibly ambitious. But the, you know, the timber couldn't have a 100mm screed cast on top like most people do because how do you dismantle that and put it back together? You need mechanical fixings, not chemical fixings. And so by... By, so, so the the approach that the team I was it, it, working in, we we came up with a dry system, and that meant that you had to acknowledge nobody's done this in offices. How is this going to react? So, there's a the Google it built a full bay of the building. We walked across it. We actually with one of my ex professors from university, uh, quite a dense individual, so quite good for vibrations. <laughs> um, he's quite a sturdy guy. <laughs> Uh, he, he, and, you know, it was funny working with an old professor because they're like, I've taught you this already. And you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> they're like, Wait, you, you, this was third year. And you're like, what, mate, <laughs> it's 5.30 in the morning in a travel lodge. I've, I've got, I don't know. <laughs> so if you, as you're like, uh, as, you, are your, as you're like passion for structural engineering and the things that you like, does it change a lot since you were at uni to now you run your own business and you, like, do you, different types of projects get you excited for example if you were talking to young you at uni would you be interested in the same buildings or is it is it changed a lot now you understand the business a lot more uh so i went in, i did engineering because my maths teacher said don't do pure maths and i was like well, why and he goes i do applied maths and i was like oh what's that and he went it's engineering and i was like okay so i went and i looked at mechanical engineering and that looked really dull <laughs> 
I've got some very Agreed. good, some of my best friend, mechanical engineers. So I, I, uh, I, uh, they, they find a different interest in life. People are different. That's good. <laughs> it gives us, um, it gives that depth in, in society. <laughs> uh, but, um, and so I looked at structural engineering and I thought, well, okay, that looks all right. I'll give that a go. So yeah, I, I, I just, I, I probably thought I was going to become an accountant. In fact, I had a wobble. I, I, I then did the degree, really enjoyed it because it's, it's a really varied degree, right? You've got your math, if you like maths, you've got, your, you've got your pure maths and you've got all your different materials and structures and di- uh, hydraulics and all that. And they're all different. And you, so if you're not enjoying one, you've got another five that you find interesting. And then you, 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 you get to the end and you suddenly go, oh, um, I, I'm going to get a job who I've been sponsored. So I, uh, for the last bit, um, so, so, I, so I had my career laid out, and I suddenly, oh God! So I started applying for like accountancy firms because I thought maybe that's what I know. God, I would have, it just wouldn't have fitted me. I know, I know, you can be creative in accounting. Generally, that ends in disaster. But yeah. you, know, you can, <laughs> you can be creative, <laughs> and you know, um, but yeah. So, so no, I, I didn't. I, I then turned up with uh, working for a chap and amongst others called Mike Cook, who, who was just a brilliant designer and i didn't really know what it was uh, but i just i i, yeah, I, I like I, I think everybody can do my job really straight i think i could teach it in a day the, the actual maths is really it's gravity and wind but it's the it's the it's the way in which you apply it and that's why you get you get a lot of structural engineers so it's, it's going west country again um <laughs> they've got a lot of structural engineers having a wobble in their career at 27 because they suddenly realized that They've got chartered. They've then led their first big job and they've gone through it and they suddenly go, oh, is that it? There's no more to it. And I think, unfortunately, I think you do lose some at that point. But no, you, when you say you can't, there's only a certain number of ways that you can do it. There's always, so I, I'd say that I, I get a job and I'll see that 90% of the work is going to be straightforward. And we'll just, and, and, and that's, that's a bit of fun as well, right? Because you can work out how to make that so efficient the interaction between people and uh, you know again it's part of why we set up we're like well that we can automate that as much as possible right but there'll be one detail uh, uh, typically a transfer or a, or a way that we have to avoid rights for light or something like that. something that really changes it and you're saying well you put transfers everywhere you're going to put four or five months on the program so you, you can't do that or, or whatever cost all these parameters and 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 and, and, and so you spend 70% of your time looking at 10% of the building. Yeah. So there's, <clears throat> but we can do that because you know, the rest of it's dead easy. So is that, is, that, um, you know, is that one of the reasons why you set up London Structures Lab? Or what, why, what, what was the, you know, you say, you know what, what was the thing that led you to say enough of working for a big project practice? I can set up my own practice. Like what, what, what made you not want to stay at the old one and what made you want to start this one? Um, I think... Very large organisations, um, you obviously all have to play your part in the in in the bigger the bigger beast, I guess. The, the, it's not a machine. Um, there's still very personal things and lots of relationships and stuff. But you 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 stop doing the some of the bits you want to do. I I, I like concept, but I like going on site. But just before I saw you, I've been out looking around a building that we're trying to put in another few floors on top without changing much and um <laughs> it looks pretty knackered in places you know but but i want to do that site visit and i want to see it through to construction because 
you know, I, I can't see how I can be useful around that first meeting table for very long if I don't know how to build it. Because fundamentally, why, why, why do you even have a structural engineering consultant? You, you have that person at the first meeting because hopefully they've got a complete grasp of the physics and theory about how buildings work. I hope that's a given. <laughs> they should also have a complete grasp of how you fabricate and install a building because that will play a massive role in it. Yeah, they should understand logistics and things like that as well because they, you, 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 um, you don't build the same building in that the job I've just come from. You can't put a crane on it. You can't put, you can't, you can't stop for very long. You block the only road into a, a certain area of London, a small area, but still. So the interview, we were saying, well, it's all about logistics. We told them to do a domestic style build and keep it all tight. They've changed for other reasons. That's fine. And we've made it work. But, you know, it, it, you've got to have that understanding to be useful. And then you should also know the cutting edge technology. You should know the cutting edge academic research. And so effectively, that's what we bring together. We bring that design together. We bring that execution together. And we bring that um, uh, and, and through the teaching and the other academia um, involvement we have, we bring that together. So, so, so everybody at London Structures Lab can be useful in that first meeting. And... Um, are you, are you referring, you, when you're just referring, you're referring to three people or your three different skill sets you all have? Or is you it can all lean on each other. Yeah, you know, it's one person. It's it, it, not even the three of us. It's any one of the team mm. ha has to have that. And they, 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 they'll then have their own personality, which means that they're more interested in certain areas. But they, they, they'll still have everybody else around to help them. So I'm a big believer in <clears throat> never doing something you don't enjoy doing. Just get someone else to do it. Oh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So there's, so there's the founders, there's there's three founders. All right. mm. Yeah. And yeah. Are you, do you all bring different skill sets and different expertise or do you, are you all kind of Swissami knife style stretch engineers or like why, why you know, what, what, how did you guys meet before and why did you choose to just like set one up? So the other two had actually worked together a long, uh, much longer ago uh, as an, another firm and then they joined at our last firm but we were all directors at the last firm okay we, we, so we can all do engineering as as um sort of the, the the entry level engineering um and but then the then our our expertise and um ha, have a leaning so i i i, I think ed and i ed has done he's probably got the best cv in refurbishment in london like south bank tower and a few of the others it's a fantastic set, and um, and 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 whereas I suppose the way we probably see it is he likes to reuse a building as much as possible, which I do as well. I, I, I do enjoy that, but I, I I probably have more of a leaning to designing a building so it can be reused and reused and reused. So I mean, that's probably that's mm. we've got some essays on our website, and one of them is is about you know reusing things. Um, and and mine is uh, one of mine is about um, the um, why don't we regard um, the structure as part of a city infrastructure? So you say, okay, I, this this part of the building never needs to be rebuilt, 
and we can reclothe it or we can pull it about and all that. So it's it's there's a resilient core, not necessarily the core, but a resilient core of the building. And then there's an adaptable bit. And I think that's come from a number of my projects over the years. Um, I, I remember this happening on Fire Broadgate. That exact thing was the whole point was you could fill in the atriums, you could make the atriums hit the ground, you could change the kind of the bolts of it but actually the, the the four cores stayed but you could twist it manipulate it once mm. it become apartments or flats or other offices it could it all had that capability yeah and, and 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 so it's something that so i know that the building we build now will not be the building in 25 30 everybody keeps from thinking that i know change has happened but it's not going to keep happening right it's like yeah it's going to keep happening change is happening uh, and it's happening faster and faster and faster especially if people are like you know, uh, I'll, um, like if you if you if, if someone still won't design an office building for future adaptation while they're sat in lockdown, then they're, they're mad because you don't know what it's going to be like. We do know some things, and and people that so I, I don't agree that designing for adaptation is about um, uh, sort of not making decisions. We know the fundamentals of what makes a city and what makes. Um, why cities make money. You double the size of a city, everybody gets richer. The the average wealth increases. Violent crime goes up and things like that. But, you know, per per capita. Um, But people... But the money goes up, that's the most important. (laughs) But we use less... We use less... um, We're better for the environment. If, you know, this... Again, with... with, um, COVID and lockdown, everyone's like, well, we don't need cities anymore. You know, should we be looking at the geographical world or should we be looking at the, the digital geography and people will cluster? Well, why don't we all go and live on islands and stuff? Well, because we've already got a major sustainability, environmental crisis, and then we're going to all go and like, live in the countryside and drive everywhere, you know, rather than be on a bike. We need cities. We, we fundamentally need cities. We've got to keep them working for people and people not working for them. Um, but, um, yeah, so if, you, if you're designing anything now, we, we, we can't think that we know what's happening. We've, we've got a job um, where it's just got a 200-year design life and people are saying, well, this is, this is how it's going to be. This is what we're going to build. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's me just going, but we don't know that. Hmm. We, we don't, we don't, so why, why not just not build that bit, that bit? Is there, so, so I suppose there's a fund, there's a there's a core to the building, and then more and more of structure should be in fit out, or be in. in I'm not saying fit out in the old traditional term. I'm talking about you, this ability to change and adapt a building. That's how what I really enjoy exploring. Interesting. And I've been exploring for a while. And, you know, it comes from Stuart Brand and Frank Duffy and. And do you, do you see like a change in, because like our, our, my current architecture practice, we're looking at this kind of merging of sectors. That's our new strat, like that's the new direction. That's where we're finding all the clients are interested in is they don't want a typical office. They don't want a typical hotel. They don't want a typical residential block. It's how do all of those things interlink? And suddenly there's totally different sectors that you're looking at. So it's more like a connected community than a hotel or an office. Are you, are you seeing a kind of multifaceted buildings being more popular do you still think it's going to be traditional should have been on my course four years ago at the air <laughs> we looked at exactly that um so um so okay there's a danger there because you could design the the 
flexible building which people talk about which is the warehouse type thing but like actually a car park isn't it basically <laughs> yeah but actually what you're doing is you're you're layering on top of each other multiple times a whole series of briefs so you're over designing the whole thing so it can fit things you're basically making it a baggy structure and and that's fine but so so you what you could do is limit the amount of uses that can fit into that space and say that that's pretty efficient that'll do and and actually there's a place for that because we know certain locations will always be offices or whatever. Mm. But, um, and, uh, but if you then start um, saying, I want to be all things to all possibilities, then you're talking about significant overdesign and they won't fit properly. So you still won't have the perfect building. So I, I think there should be a, 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 a sort of a mindset change to an extent is that we, we need to be building um, if we build anything, it does have to be perform well. It has to encourage um, the the users to be as um, successful as possible. So whatever business, whatever they're trying to do, um, and there's been some good research about that. I mean, I think um, I think Kings, um, no, I think UCL or someone did some research about how they were teaching people, and they 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 twig quite quickly that they can't teach people when they're asleep. And so they realised that what was happening is they were using their rooms wrong and they were heating up loads and loads of CO2. They come back after a big lunch, everybody turns the lights out, everybody's asleep, and they're like, all right, well, let's... So they purge them, you know, simple thing. But, you know, I, I, I say it because we need all those spaces to perform well for the, the, the current use, but it's only a current use and it will change. So do you design it to be this really robust, baggy structure that of course it's nice, but you know, concrete ceilings like this place, too bloody equity, you know. Mm. Um, and if we had, you know, if we had everybody in, it, we wouldn't be able to have a conversation. It, it gets pretty noisy. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, so, so, or do you make part of the structure adaptable so it becomes part of your fit out and you can respond to it? And, and, I think oh, so, you're, so you're saying if you do change the function, you might have to kind of retrofit some of the structure. In. Yeah, and put, but a, put, put, put a new floor in, take the facade out, so and change it. I, I hope facades are the, one of the first bits. You know, the car industry's changed and is becoming um, looking at circular. Um, the, the, the fact that you rent a car, so they get it back. So all of a sudden, they they're really encouraged to design it for recovery of things. Mm. I, I hope the facade industry is the first to do that we specify a facade and performance and it's attached to the building you rent it for 25 years if you want to keep renting it you have to keep renting or you send it back they recover it and they provide you a new one i, I hope that will be the first step in the right direction for us that's a really interesting idea do, do you feel <clears throat> do you feel that because this is your own company that you're closer to all this information as in like as in this is a new idea our oh, people should, we should explore that as a company you can just change direction very quickly to what's interesting was it a big practice you are maybe yeah i mean i had that the other day i mean i was going in for some innovate uk funding with um uh with a really interesting startup that's looking at it's like a platform for um called automate and there is a it's a building services platform for how you can effectively i'd explain it much better of course but you know it's um um a lot of buildings have all these systems in place and then they're not um they're not installed properly so if you can have a platform that will allow machine learning to then um optimize 
the the actual performance of the building you can save loads and loads of energy and, and that's sort they're doing way more than that they are now a backbone that loads of things and we wanted to use it to do some uh investigations with cambridge and um uh contractor and some other organizations to um uh work out for the long and short of it where load goes and it sounds really boring but there's there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a blocking in the industry because everybody says well we over design everything but the fact is is that we don't have enough information to change some of those numbers uh, we know they're wrong like this this office is massively over designed but because we don't know certain bits so this this resistance. but i found myself going you know is it okay to do this like almost looking over my shoulder but yeah i was just like i actually really want to do this i think it's the right thing to do for society um and uh, so was that a moment that you felt like oh okay running my own company is awesome because now suddenly i've been given this kind of free reign i do I mean, have to check with the other two of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> david what are you up to now and then that's specifically aimed at ed he has to check with the other two when he <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it? I mean, it, it's been what? It's been over a year now. Uh, is it like? Just, a, yeah, just. Is is it, is it? Is it what you expected? Is it nerve wracking? Were you nervous to start a business? Was it like shit? We're gonna do our own business. I guess. I hope it goes well. Or you just like you did the calculation. It was gonna be fine. You bought yourself a year's worth of time. Or I mean, explain what the process is like. Quit your job. Rock into your yeah. Office. Hadn't you noticed two of us handed it in together? Are we at the same company? We were two of us at the same company at the time. Were they like, please don't say it, you're going to do it? Oh, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> um, I think the joke, he, he joked at us, like, oh, you're not resigning, are you? And I said, yeah, here we are. Here we are. And then he sort of looked at Ed and was like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're doing this to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, so you, you do that and then um and then you've you know you've got how, sorry, how long before you handed in your resignation? Like was it two years of planning, a year, yeah. two months? I think we joked about it. I mean I'd certainly joked about it with other people as well, but you know, no, it was actually surprisingly quick. It was a point where, you know, it was a it was a it was a um it was in the pub. Classic. And uh it, you know, you sat down and you were talking about it and it, suddenly got more and more serious and you you know you 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 look at all logic as to the direct the, the path you could take from that moment forward and you realize one is just way more fun yeah is that what it felt that this is like okay it's gonna be exciting we we, we know enough people we can probably get a couple of projects to start with yeah i mean i, I mean a lot of firms start off by nicking jobs off they do they do, I mean, they do and, and we didn't do any of that i mean they, they, some companies you look at how they started and, and it, it, they've got strong relationships but yeah it's um it looks pretty brutal we were lucky we we just sort of had people that sort of said oh yeah you might be right for this and um and off we went i mean i can't you, you can't predict where the next job comes. i know that was the case before but it is is funny when you're sort of saying okay where's the next job coming from? you just don't know so, but isn't that the th that there's like you know the five-year business plan you're like okay but it's all hinged on the fact that we get projects that we have no idea if we're going to win or not it's like it's kind of like just gambling 50 50 oh we got it we didn't get it i mean you put yourself in the best position you can but yeah yeah you're right i mean but it, it all comes down to like the fact that i think we've all performed consistently through our career of helping people 
and and that's that's really the one thing that's been remarkable is we've so many people have been so generous and nice to us and it must have been because we did something right at some point um <laughs> um so um so yeah that, i mean that's yeah, so it's been pretty organic like a phone call out of the blue and then all of a sudden you're on a is it i mean it, at cambridge or something. does it come with a whole host of different stresses or were these all kind of predictable and you know it's, it's oh i've had some dark days yeah <laughs> but i mean that's mainly because you know i'm incredibly impatient i'm really impatient i know the feeling i um so there's so it's, it's you know and i'm an emotional person so i i'm just like come on, when why why is that not happening why is this happening why didn't they do us? We've been we've, once we're on the list. We've had a really, really ridiculously high success rate. I guess if they're they're, they're sort of in that leaning to put you on the list, then all you need to do is perform. And the fact is, we say I will work on your job, and they go, yeah, right, I know you will. Whereas you know, so it's a bit of an unfair advantage actually, because you know the other person interviewing is never going to work on the project. <laughs> the other engineer, you know, yeah. So it's a bit of an unfair advantage. Um. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's scary. But we've, I've been really pleased with the range of job we've got already. I thought we'd be just sort of in one type. That, I mean, that's the other thing that people do when they start up is they, they, they either are a specialist, like the only people that can do X, or they, they, um, they concoct it, they make it up. And because we were so different, there was no way we were going to agree on specialism. Because I'm, like, I'm not bloody doing that. There's no way. So, um, uh, so we have. So we our specialism really is, I suppose, London. And uh, it mm. sounds funny, but it's complex sites um, and doing them efficiently. Obviously, high commercial pressures. Best architects in the world, um, and that brings a huge amount of pressure as well to to, to everyone because everybody wants to do well. So there's that. There's that. That sort of um, that, I suppose that's our specialism, but you can't really say, "Oh, we specialise in London." And have you, have you always had this office since the day you started, or is this is this since a relative... day I started before we moved in? The day I started, yeah. And, and so, is it just? I, I guess like a lot of people listen to this are there's like a fear that comes along with like starting something new, starting something yourself, mm. and there's like a, a most of the people who I've spoken to who I asked this question to, they're quite pragmatic. It's like, well, I had a plan and, and you know, I just, it's going to work out fine. There's almost no more thought to it than that. It's like, yeah, it was stressful, but I knew it was going to be stressful and it was great and it's worked out really well. Yeah, it was really, really hard. I mean, is your work rate gone through the roof? Are you working like crazy hours? Is it easier? Um, um, I don't know. Yeah, we're working bloody hard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, it's a difficult one because... You know, yes, it's stressful, but at the same time, I'm doing it for me. Mm. I mean, the hardest thing was how do you explain to your wife, family? Well, as in, I'm not going to explain. The children don't really understand. <laughs> but you know, I, don't, I didn't even bring them into the conversation. If I'm honest, now, do I get so Christmas presents? Wife. Yes, you do. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, if Mummy can afford them. Um, <laughs> but you know, so you know, you sat down with your wife and you're saying, you know, I've got this really good job. I'm a design director at a really successful practice and yeah i'm enjoying it um but i think we should remortgage the house and i should potentially not earn significant salary for a year <laughs> and then uh but i'll be happy uh you know 
that's that's a stupid thing to do. And she's like, "Will you be happier?" I, I think, may, yeah, possibly. <laughs> oh, I am happier. Like, no, no. But you know, there, there, there is no um, there is no doubt that this has to succeed for yeah. me because everything's on the line. I, I don't want to be anything else apart from a structural engineer because it's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's stressful. But you, you yeah, you, you just it, if you're enjoying something, you don't know how long it takes. This is, this is something we talked about actually as a group. Like, should we do? You'll probably see a pattern here. But two of us didn't ever want to do timesheets because we don't like doing that sort of thing. Was it you and Ed by any chance? It was. <laughs> you're right. I am seeing a pattern here. Um, and uh, but you know, of course, they're quite a useful way of working out whether you've got the right price and feedback. So we, uh, but when then we sort of said, well, actually, why do we do this in the first place? So we broke it down and we started saying, well, actually, that we shouldn't have timesheet. That's just on off. It should be, did I learn anything? Did I enjoy it? How, how long did it feel? Like, do you know what I mean? If it's, you hate it, a, fi- a five minute job can take you an hour or at least feel like it take you an hour. Whereas if you're really enjoying it, you go, well, I think it took me about half an hour. And it was like, eight hours you work through till night time because you were loving it so that's not taken into account in big organizations and you say well that's because it's commercially nonsense and you're right you're you're right yes it is commercially nonsense but there's a balance right and the fact is is that you know if we're going to bring people in especially hiring people to a startup is an interesting process because they their next, you know, they're going to come to you, and even if they've said, well, okay, well, it's my first job, maybe I'll, I'll give it four years or something like that. If, even if they're thinking like that, I don't know what they're thinking. Hopefully they're thinking this is the, the future and there's nowhere better, and that's what I will convince them in that time, I hope. But, you know, that's a big deal for them. That's as big a deal for them as me and the others mortgaging our houses and starting, yeah. right? So you, you have to invest in that individual to be the best they can be so when so when and i think i think the people that we've got it in they understand that we're going to support them to be the best they can be they are going to support us and each other to do that and so that that's how we're sort of building a team together but th- we need them to learn so if we're if you said before projects can get pretty monotonous and boring we, we do need to see that we'll take on some jobs because they will give us a new piece of learning or they're the right thing to do mm. Everybody has a moral compass, and you just need to. It's interesting. It makes a lot of sense that if, if you're doing the work, it has to it has to be fun. You know, you have to want to do it. Yeah. I mean, so like, do you, you don't go into engineering for the money? <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's like surfing. Certainly the same as architecture. Um, I love the fact that architects think people are architects are minted. Oh, no, <laughs> doctors, lawyers, architects. I'm like, <laughs> how has architects managed to crowbar themselves into that? But like, what, what you know, we're joking about the five year plan. Like what? What? What would success look like to you? Like if if ten years time, do you want to have the big pro- best projects? But like ten people, do you mean sixty people, a hundred people, or do you even care about that? Or is it a specific type of project? Or, or, or what? It, what's your I, I mean, I think in the way that we run it, um, I think you know, there's people talk about tribes. And how uh, the biggest tribe you can have is 150 people, mm. but that would be based on quite a loose set of. Um, uh, uh, that even that's a loose culture. That's if that's a maximum size. We're talking about a highly trained um, and very in-depth set of um, beliefs, really, about how we do it. So, so I think our our, our tribe size is probably about 50. Mm. 
And after that, you need to change how you structure the tribe. Um, so, but then again, that's not the aim. Really, the aim is to really build long-term collaborations where we can feel that we've been really instrumental in the success of the architect, the client, the MEP people. And, and I believe in single-disc companies a lot. I think they're really... What's it, what do you mean single? Just structures, just MEP. I, 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 uh, I right. think when you bring architects and engineers into one practice, I, I don't think it's... In fact, in fact, my my overall course at the AA is called Creative Conflicts. It's to say that you need to conflict and have differing opinions in order to be creative. Because, so you have to have mutual respect. But uh, ultimately, I, I'd work for the client and the client is trying to create something as a need and... I want to do that and I will support the architect in doing that as well as we can. But um, I think when you all, I've worked in multi-disc companies um, and um, you're not, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's some confusion about what, what people should uh, do. Put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's, especially if you're trying to push the envelope a little bit, there's inevitably going to be a bit of, a bit of overlap in what people think they can do and what other people think they do. I mean, we're, we're approaching the hour mark now, so I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll we'll edit out most of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Let's just start now. I, I love all the kind of... I love all the beginning conversation. How do you come up with the name? Why, why that specific name? The branding, the graphics? No one cares about a name. I, you know, Oasis is the worst band name of all time, but no one notices because, you know, they're a good band. Beatles, really? You break but that name down? Did, did you get an external company to do all your branding and everything? Did you just say, can you do that for us? You do it yourself. How did it work? Uh, we, we got a mate. Then again, um, that mate happens to be married to John. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, and I ultimately, I talked about why you have a consultant, but ultimately what do we do as a business? Well, we sell ideas and we therefore need the most the, the most diverse minds that we can get hold of around the table to create the most diverse set of ideas that we then distill down into great ideas. And that's what we sell. That's what, you, that's what people are really buying. Mm. The rest of it, the, the other bit where people think, oh, is it going to be, oh, I can outsource that to such and such. We don't really want to see that. We want to see the engineers doing it as part of their training. But we will automate processes because we know that... The, that's the way things are going. And I think that's a lot of, I think a lot of companies. So London Structures Lab was born out of trying to marry up those ideas that you just said, which was, you specialize in London. Yeah. You are structure engineers. I got that. Uh, and then the lab aspect is the, the, the research side of it. The fact that you're kind yeah, of. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. But luckily no one, it was very important that we didn't have the name above the door because that becomes a burden for the next generation. And, you know, we're trying to create a sustainable business and a culture that will allow people to carry on and do the right thing. Uh, that will do what they want to do in terms of their career. And it's just a, it's a vehicle in which they can do that. I think um, Bure Hapold was interesting because sadly Ted Hapold had died. And that, that had the sort of fact that, that then there was this core beliefs that came from what he'd written and said and and so that that was quite an interesting way of doing it um but i'm not willing to die just mm. yet i'm not not committed enough are you yeah <laughs> and plus also you mean if you've got a job at mosley lingworth risley you don't want that to be abbreviated no that's true <laughs> well okay 
so, or even worse, Risley Illingworth, largely. Risley, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that sort of controversial advertising is probably quite punchy. Yeah, I might have say. Just should, of course, have the rudest possible name I can think of. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to wrap this up. What's next? Uh, what's next next year? What have you? What What is in the pipeline? What's planned? Next year, I'd hope that um, schools go back in January. Thank God. Um, we had we've had ours off recently. Um, uh, and then and then the the plan is to continue continue to develop the relationships. We've had quite a bit of repeat business from people, some that we'd never worked with before, but we got the in, and then they've sort of seen the benefits. And repeat business will always be the core of the business, um, and um, and that uh, that's from everybody around the table. We we we, uh, we we've seen practices. We, we've looked at a lot of other practices. Some practices will favour the architect because it can take them into different spaces. And whilst we love the love that sort of aspect of it, we also know that we we we're serving client that. Is, is the person that's trying to create something as well. This idea that they're different is nonsense. So um, we, we, we want to we wanna build that those long-term relationships. I hope that some of the relationships we've got now, we will end up seeing go through the, the, my, the rest of my career and seeing them go from strength to strength. That's, that will be a really good thing. So do you, do you see... Um, so I, I know that some companies actively, that, that they just build their whole business structure around repeat clients or do, do you actively try and search out more and more clients would you try and service the clients that you have and try and build those relationships or is it a bit of both well if we don't think we could provide the best for a client we'd tell them because yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, you don't want to you've got to be honest with them if you're saying that actually you know we we, we don't have the capacity or whatever then you, you you've got to tell them because otherwise your reputation goes pretty quickly. It's better to say no than do it badly. It, it, I mean, it's, it's difficult, of course, because of course you do want repeat stuff, but um, that could be repeat from the, the QS, the architect, the MEP. The, it could be from anyone in that, that. And they go, actually, I'd really like you guys to help us because of this and that. And, and you know, and if, if we can, we will. Um, so that, that's the, that, that, I suppose that's it. We're going to keep doing the academic research because it keeps you fresh. It stops you saying no. It goes well. Actually, you know, maybe we probably could. Keeps you naive. Allows you to think laterally. Do you? Do you, um, <laughs> do you guys all tutor? Apart from the very juniors and 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 um, yeah. So that's kind of baked into. No, it's not culture. a lot of time. No, uh, but no, I think it's really important. I think it's just oh, it's constantly being like it's that naivety that we talked about at the beginning. It's like constantly being tested by someone who has the naivety to question everything. It's actually really, really interesting i think yeah student says oh i'd like to do um i think my favorite one's a, a, a girl said i'd like to do a really really fat obese building and i just remember going okay yes let's do it and you know and, and actually the the structure the, the the process she came up with was wonderful about flexible form work and the whole thing's bulging out of itself it's for venice beach for some reason i i don't need to know why she really felt this was the answer <laughs> But I, I do remember, that, you know, but you say, yeah, of course, oh, can you do that? And, and, and the AA is wonderful for that because I, I've taught at a number of schools. The AA seems, allows you to ignore a fundamental. So you, you could ignore overheating or you can ignore gravity if it's going to stop you um, exploring a certain area. And it mm. really pushes them on. Whereas some other universities are much more rooted in reality and it's about 
but that detail doesn't work. And I think we need that range of, of people. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I kind of, I, I go in waves of loving that super high concept idea, almost to the point you're like, there's not even a building that wouldn't even work. It's so stupid. I love, sometimes love it. And other times I'm just so annoyed that you're like, well, what was the point in doing that? But I, I do think, I personally think that, um, and I think this is particularly on architectural courses, it's more about understanding your kind of personality and your, 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 the creative you and getting that out and, and then allowing actual reality and the job to kind of bring it back into the realms. I, that's why I think architecture school is super important. And also I totally understand the, the counter argument, which is like it, some of those projects are so pointless. But I, ultimately I think they work. I think they're wonderful to look at. They're like works of art. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, my, yes, I love engineering. My, I, I also really like uh, education and team psychology. They're, they're things I really enjoy. And, and so you, there's a lot, there's, there's a whole load going on there and I, I, in terms of how we teach people. But yeah, no, what, what's actually drawn is not important. It's the process mm. of how they got there. And um, I w helped somebody with this, um, you know, this self-taught um, architecture course you can do. I think it's accredited by Oxford Brooks, but you effectively go out and you find your own tutors. They set your coursework, you do the coursework and it gets back to them. But it's, um, I think the, the person that I, I helped was, was brilliant. Uh, she was really hardworking. She was working in architectural practice and all that. Fine, but she missed that there was clearly a lack of other students around her. Mm. She needed she needed to have other students who would be naive and go, well, why can't I do this? Well, I, I'm just going to do that and, you know, and come up with those crazy stuff because it starts stretching their mind and going, well, what if, what if? We, we don't, we, 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 if we're going to be in, if we're going to change the industry as much as we do, we, we really need free thinkers. Mm. We need outsiders. That's a really good point. And I think you're right. I think actually... Um, Joe, who helps me produce this podcast, you know, he, he's he been on lockdown and missed the last third of his like final year of uni and, and is now like, I've been stuck at home for like six, eight, nine months or whatever. And I've missed that part. New students going in, it must be really hard for them to just be doing this over Zoom. I mean, there's only so much you can do over that type of thing. You miss that kind of seeing the person's work on the wall and going, oh man, how do they do that? the guy photoshopping and watching how they're doing it, you're like oh, i had no idea you could do that yeah. yeah i mean that that's you know as a small company we've been really good because we can be efficient and we can get it all done but we can't go out and meet new people and we can't take people for uh, go and have a coffee with someone and and just sort of sound out and have that we don't bump into people before and after meetings and i've got three young children at home who um i'm trying to teach as well and we're trying to sort of juggle that keep forgetting um, you've got a third insanity that is yeah it's not not very good for the environment um uh, thank you so carbon footprint man i uh <laughs> i did get some dodgy looks at the uh at the um protest where i'm walking along with one on my shoulders and one in each hand and people are probably looking at me going, you you care do you <laughs> do you i'm like well yeah. give me a break guys give me a break yeah well do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up there but thank you very much for coming on and uh, I, uh, I have so many more questions, but I'm going to delay it until 2021 and then we can chat more. Thanks. Deal. Thank you. There you go. That was episode 27 with David Illingworth from London Structures Lab. 
Hope you enjoyed that. That was, uh, I just love going around to people's studios and offices and seeing where they work. It's uh, one of the perks of doing this podcast. So next episode's actually a really cool one. It's with Deborah Stevens, who is uh, an author. Um, but I know her as, uh, how do I explain this? They, they kind of do... I'll let her explain next week, but she's fascinating. I've had her on the Architecture Den podcast um, and she does, I guess, personality testing. It's very wider than that. You know, when you um, when you have big teams at big architectural practices, what's cool is you can go to uh, these kind of day-long courses and they're like team building days. But me personally, I found them incredibly enlightening. And I think um, one of the things I like most about Deborah is she's so good. Uh, understanding analyzing personalities it's something that's kind of really dear to my heart so she's actually releasing a book called stand out which is literally coming out i think the week yeah so it's what so her book comes out the 15th um so i think this podcast will come out two days later so i'm really excited to do that so i've been reading through it i got i got an advanced copy um so that's really cool so uh click subscribe obviously go on to our instagram page create more podcasts and go to the website check it out and then an email email me or find me um on linkedin or just drop me an email my contacts on the website because uh, i'd really appreciate some feedback so thank you so much for listening bye even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.